Well, that's fantastic. A really smart decision, young man. We can put that check in a money market mutual fund. Then we'll reinvest the earnings into foreign currency accounts with compounding interest, and it's gone. Uh, what? It's gone. It's all gone. What's all gone? The money in your account. It didn't do too well. It's gone. What do you mean? I, I have a hundred dollars. Not anymore. You don't. Poof. Well, well, what can I do to get back? I'm my... sorry, sir, but this line is for bank members only. I just opened an account. Do you have any money invested with this bank? No, you just lost it all. Then please stand aside for people who actually have money with us. Next, please. Hey. Hello, Mrs. Farnickel. How are you today? Making a deposit, are we? Great. We can just put that into your retirement account and make it go to work for you, and it's gone. What? Sorry. Yeah, that's gone. Please step aside for people who actually have money with the bank. Next, please. Dad. Hey, I'm trying to teach my son the importance of savings. You already lost his money. Oh, Mr. Marsh. Don't worry. We can just transfer money from your account into a portfolio with your son, and it's gone. This line is for people who have money with the bank only. Please step aside. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Cogan Show. I'm your host, Johnny K. Bit Signal is the topic du jour today. You might know what Bit Signal is. You might not know what Bit Signal is. But what have we talked about on this apolitical podcast for many, many months now? That we believe all the chaos that is going on right now is a cover up of a financial collapse. And could that be here in 90 days? Is it possible? It could be because we'll listen to Balji and what he's going to say because he has bet $1 million that Bitcoin is going to reach $1 million per Bitcoin in 90 days. So he's been on a ton of podcasts today. And I just have to say, I got to start off with this before I get into it, which is the purpose of this podcast is just to tell you the truth. I'm not here to, to skew anything, to break things down, add some political angle onto it, or have some agenda. No, you can't ever find a place in today's world, who would have thought in 2023, where you could just get facts, just apolitical, unbiased truth, and then you use your God-given critical thinking skills that you were given from birth to decipher, take what you want to know. We don't believe in terms like misinformation, disinformation, that mouth. No, no, no. We just tell you the info as it is. It might be harsh sometimes. It might not be harsh. Like maybe we're going to be, maybe the United States, like other places in the world is about to experience hyperinflation, which other countries have experienced many, many times, but in the U.S., not so much. And maybe things are different this time, you know, and I got to tell you that. Okay. So all that money you work so hard for your pension, all, maybe it's gone, but I, someone's just got to tell you what to do. You have to be prepared for what's going on. We live in chaotic times. It's definitely four turning scenarios. It's unbelievable. Go listen to any of the previous podcasts, check, check, audit the track record of the Jonathan Cogan show, verify that it's legit. Okay. And then decide what you want to do, because this is for people who want the truth and nothing but the truth. So help us. Oh, and again, if you're new to the podcast, I say, oh, because some people praise God, some people praise climate change, some people praise presidents, uh, dictators, crazy ideologies, who knows, okay? So we say, oh, to leave it open for interpretation for each listener to praise whoever they want to praise. I'm just saying, we tell you the truth, nothing but the truth will help us, oh, now you understand. Okay, so a lot of pieces to get into here. First thing I want to get into is... Talking about this, Anthony Pompliano was on My First Million. Great podcast. Go check it out. 
Uh, and he was saying that's what's, what happened with Silicon Valley Bank isn't going to be the only instance of this. This is something we have to get used to. Why? Because this is what is called a digital catastrophe. We are now in an age that is unprecedented where things move at the speed of information moves so much faster now that bank runs can happen in days. Banks can become insolvent in hours. This is not the first, this is not the last of its kind, it's the first of its kind. So listen to what he calls a digital catastrophe. Then we're going to get into a lot of biology interviews where he breaks down his bet, why he made it, the whole shebang, okay? But this is a very important concept I found, okay? Digital catastrophes, I think it's very, very important. So take a, take a very close listen here. Again, Anthony Papliano on the My First Million podcast that I think is important to understand about these situations um, is this idea of like a digital catastrophe. And this is a concept that, uh, frankly, I struggled a little bit to come up with like a good name for it, but I think digital catastrophe kind of really articulates it uh, as best as I can, which is you need to understand this concept because it is going to become very, very common in our lives over the next you know, 20, 30, 40 years. But the way that I define a digital catastrophe is it's an event that occurs that is negative usually plays out in the analog world, kind of the real world, but it is drastically accelerated by the speed of communication and action online. And so Silicon Valley Bank is like the prime example, right? If you think about what happened there, on Wednesday afternoon, they made an announcement. By Thursday morning, people were scared. By Thursday afternoon, $42 billion had been withdrawn from the bank. And by Friday morning, the bank was dead, right? So like in 48 hours, it was the second largest banking failure in the United States history. But in the old days, what you would have to do in order to have a bank run is like Sean would walk over to Sam's house and be like, yo, Sam, did you hear like the bank's probably not doing so hot? And then like Sam be like, huh, that's kind of crazy. And you would walk, ride your horse, maybe get in a car and like show up to the bank physically, wait in line and be like, when you get to the teller window, can I have my money back? Like that takes a lot of time, effort, energy, all that type of stuff. Now. You can literally open a new tab on your browser, click a couple buttons, and move your money. And so when the speed of information occurs that it does on the internet, millions of people, whether you're a customer of Silicon Valley Bank or not, like Twitter knew that the bank was insolvent by like noon on Thursday, right? And so if that happens, that's how you get $42 billion withdrawn from a bank. That is a digital catastrophe. It's the speed of information, the speed of action online has real world consequences. And so another way to think about it is like the internet was weaponized to create the second largest bank failure in history, but it was in response to the knowledge of an insolvent bank that was caused by a fractional reserve banking system and an increasing of interest rates that basically left the uh, the bag holders as the banks. And so people were just, operating out of personal incentive to get out of the way so get used to a lot of blame game from the powers that be to you and i the peasants okay we're used to it by now after the last three years it's always the peasants fault right it's always our fault it's really not our fault but we're being told it's our fault okay banks are insolvent that's your fault okay you put the money there you opened your tab too quickly okay it's your fault, okay? Credit Suisse is blaming Twitter, all right? This is unbelievable times, unbelievable times. You have to understand, you must de- defer blame, okay? They need to choose a group of people and put the financial collapse blame on them, all right? That'll be the peasants in the United States. It seems to be one political party gets a lot of blame, but this, you, you have to have a group, okay? 
then you got to blame them because they can't take responsibility. Okay. When things get really bad, there's a famous quote, the central bankers that when things get bad, you lie. Okay. So when you have Janet Yellen and other and federal reserve saying, Oh, the banking system is sound. It's phenomenal. It's the best big. It's never been healthier. Okay. Then you could pretty much assume it's like a 450 pound obese lady that is eating potatoes and Twinkies on her sofa that she hasn't moved from in 14 years and can barely lift her legs and they need to bring a crane in and take her out of the room to take her to the hospital. Now, that's a very extreme analogy there. I didn't have to go that far, but I want you to understand what I'm saying. The person's probably not in shape, which means the system is probably not doing as well as you think it is. You understand? Yes, you do understand. Why? Because you're very smart. You're very smart. All right, so now let's get into the crux, the butter, and the whole meal right now, okay? This is like a Thanksgiving platter, okay? What do I mean by that? I don't know. It's just a lot of food, a lot of info to take. Okay, so the first part we're going to get into here is we've talked about this on the podcast. So if you're new, please go check out some of Go look at the titles and watch some of the old ones. If you've been here a while and part of the community, obviously, you know I love you. And if you're new, we all love you. We welcome you to the community of love and pro-human people, apolitical. We just care about truth. We love each other. We're here for each other. We defend each other on the internet. We defend each other on social media. We bond together. We take the apolitical movement through the roof. Okay. That's what we're doing right now. So please join in, bring as many friends and family members as you want. The only rule is you must contribute positive energy to the community, whatever that means. Okay. You decide. So a lot of this is a cover-up, okay, of what's going on the last three years, is kicking the can down the road from the financial collapse, literally from back 2008, 2009, okay? We've been kicking the can down the road, zero, 0% interest rates, and just inflating, inflating, and we've been coasting, and now it's all, you can't kick the can down the road anymore. Now, people will debate if we're in a financial crisis. You don't even know. Why do you not even know? Because you're intentionally not being told. So, Let's uh let Apology break it down about the current, if it's a financial, if we're in a uh, financial crisis, what the scenario is. Here's a little bit of context so we're all on the same page. Exactly. That's right. So this is the stealth financial crisis. That's actually why. See, because NYT and others, they're all pointing your attention at something else. They're not front paging this intentionally because they don't want you to panic. Don't panic. Whatever you do, you know, like remember FTX is fine. Assets are fine, right? That's exactly what's happening now. Treasury and, and you know, uh, Fed have statements out saying we're solvent. Money is there. Don't worry. You know, all the banks are good. Full faith and credit, blah, blah, blah. And of course, when you have to put that statement out, that's obviously when um, things aren't going good, you know? So what I, again, the simple version of what I think happens, and there could be a lot of twists and turns is it's really kind of be one of two things. First, um, lots of, there's all kinds of chaotic printing and bank runs and so on in the weeks to come as worried depositors check on their funds. And the big branch point is whether they wire it to big banks or they turn into Bitcoin. And that determines basically whether literally like whether freedom lives, as funny as that sounds, okay? Because if everybody wires to big banks, then, and they think, oh my God, the Fed saved us, the big banks saved us. And all the small banks, and all the tech banks and so on die. Well, the Fed now, CBDC, which they chose, by the way, to announce even in the middle of this crisis. Okay, they announced on March 15th, it's going to come out in July. Okay. Then all the money is trapped at all the big banks. 
And then in July, you only have like four banks left or whatever it is. The CBDC is rolled out and too big to fail becomes like too big to escape. You literally can't spend your money without government approval on anything. Oh, you want to buy that? Beep, beep. Nope, that guy's bad. That person, you can have very fine grain pulling of every single transaction anybody's ever done. You can't exit the system. It is like, it becomes like uh, you go from a free person to having monopoly points on somebody's computer. It's even more than, I mean, the Fed system has become more like that, even, you know, right? And whoever they don't like, they delete them. And whoever they like, they, they add them. And the whole CBDC basically makes all kinds of monkeying around with individual people's balances much easier to do, right? And that is what China is certainly doing, right? So anybody who's politically unfavorable to the regime, they freeze, they can seize, they can spy, they can do whatever, right? And who's politically favorable, they just direct deposit somebody else's money and nobody can see it, right? So, um, you know, it, and then of course they can cut off interconvertibility into cryptocurrency. They just won't let somebody buy or sell it for that, or at least not without, without knowing about it. Um, and you can imagine maybe OTC trades were the second part. So, so why, so the fundamental thesis of this podcast ultimately is that humanity, the peasants are fighting the last fight to be free forever. And that we thought we were free, but really we were under the tyranny of the financial system. Okay. For many years, hundreds of forever, but for this last 500 year cycle. Okay. And we thought we were free, but it's kind of an illusion. Now we are fighting that last fight to be under tyranny or to actually be free as peasants for the first time ever with decentralized currency, no centralized central planners, authoritarian regime. And you could feel and you know the authoritarian central planners are trying to hold on to that power structure. But we have already entered the new age, the new digital age. And now comes the last fight, because just like Henry Kissinger said, you own the money, you own the world. Okay. And you see all of this stuff going on right now, all this stuff. So fundamentally, how quickly things are moving is incredible. Okay. Things are, we are shifting into a new age, a new world order, all of it at once. We have like many cycles convening right now. You happen to be alive. You were chosen to be here to fight. Okay. And how do you fight? This is a fifth generation warfare type fight. It's information. It's mind, body, and soul. Okay. You do it on the internet. You educate the masses. You bring people to the Jonathan Kogan show. You take people to other trusted sources and we fight for the freedom because why? Because otherwise, if we lose, there will be no Jonathan Kogan show because let's just say we're not favorable to the regime. Okay. Cause the regime is for the elites. All right. And we are forever for the peasants and we will never change that. I will never waver from that. We are team peasant all the way to the grave. Hopefully not for a while, but whenever it comes, I want my tombstone to say team peasant. That's it. Okay. You understand? Great. All right. So now the bet. It took me a while to get to his fundamental bet. Let me have him explain what his bet is, why he's making it, what's happening. And then we got some really interesting things to play uh, for, for, that I'm going to play you that was talked about in all these podcasts. I, I clipped the best parts. So let's explain the bet if you haven't heard it. And if you had heard it, maybe this will clear it up. Okay. This is from Bankless. Okay. Bankless podcast. And, uh, take a listen. He explains the bet. And I love this first quote here when I click play. Here we go. That thing by, you're the thing by Lenin. There's a, uh, there's decades where nothing happens yeah. and there's yeah. weeks where decades happen, right? Like during Corona at the beginning of Corona, the, um, remote work went like 30, 40, 50 points vertical. It did like a decade of 
adoption in like a few weeks. All these kinds of things went like vertical or horizontal or, you know, down, you know, right? You're here because I think this is, you're claiming this is one of those two weeks where decades happen. Uh, and all of a sudden uh, you have been inundated with intention about this crazy, crazy bet that you've made where you think that Bitcoin, our beloved asset, is going to become worth $1 million inside of the next 90 days, which uh, when you take that, take into account, people will call that a bold call. Uh, and so this has made the internet uh, <laughs> all pivot their attention to this claim, which is a crazy, crazy claim that I think people aren't aren't totally understanding or, or willing to accept. So, Sabalaj, so maybe you can kind of uh, walk us through your thought process here. Like, how, well, how is Bitcoin going to become worth a million dollars in the next three months? So here's the thing is I don't think I've ever made a price prediction or something like that. Just not what I do. I'm not a price guy. I'm not a chart guy. Um, that's, you know, if you look at I've, I've been in the. For, for what's worth, I've been in the public eye for ten years. You know, I have tens of thousands of tweets. I have hundreds of pages of writing, whatever hours of podcasts, including some some with you guys, right? Essays and so on and so forth. And there's enough context there where people, I think, you know, know that I'm not like a I'm, I'm not a money motivated person. I'm an ideological person. In our talks, you know, and so on, I've never been like, oh, price, blah blah. So let me just back up for a second, okay? 10 days-ish ago, 10, 12 days ago, um, Silicon Valley Bank uh, and Silvergate and then Silicon Valley Bank like basically just collapsed overnight. There's no warning, right? Just boom, done. And then this gigantic, you know, this $200 billion bank with 40,000 tech companies, people who had done basically nothing, you know, they, they're just going about their business, suddenly found that their checking accounts, the money was gone, right? Like, and and then they were being blamed as if, you know, uh, wanting their checking account back was like a bailout or something like that, as if they had done something risky. And uh, this is this whole frantic kind of thing over the weekend. And some people were acting tactically and they were trying to figure out, you know, how to how to like, you know, fix this situation or whatever. Um, but I was like, how could this possibly have happened? You know, you know, and I started like looking at all of the numbers that I could find online. And just to summarize what I found, and I'll show you a zillion references on this because it's actually kind of crazy. Um, the central bank, meaning the Fed, the banks and the bank regulators have all known for at least the past year that hundreds of banks in the U.S. are insolvent, meaning Uncle Sam Bankman Freed. They don't have assets on hand on a mark to market basis to match their liabilities. You know, Uncle Sam Bankman-Fried is the best way of understanding this because Sam Bankman-Fried, whether he lied to himself or he lied to other complicated things, remember he had this balance sheet that was this crazy balance sheet, which, you know, like in his head, it added up to more than what people were asking for, you know, their money out, right? And until the stress test actually came and people actually withdrew their money, Neither he nor they knew how much money he actually had because he wasn't just holding it on like a one-for-one -one basis. He was doing these crazy conversions, exposing everybody to market risk and so on and so forth, right? Essentially, he took people's trust. He took their deposits. He invested them in these, you know, shit coins and they, you know, or, or spent it on something, whatever the heck he did, marked it as if it was still there. And, um, and then, but when they actually came for it, there was a huge hole, Right. We now know that story. Okay. That is basically what has happened. And but the funny thing is, you know, Amjad Massad and I in the uh, the fall of 2022, uh, we were like, you know, that's kind of what fiat banking is also. 
because of fractional reserve and so on. They, if everybody actually asked for their money at the same time, they wouldn't be able to get it back. But the situation we've got now is so much worse than even fractional reserve. And what that is, is that um, the, the banks all did something very much like Sam Bankman Freed. They took your deposits and they bought long dated treasuries and other long dated government bonds in 2021, essentially on the guidance of the federal government and or especially the Fed, really, that they were going to keep interest rates low for a long time. And then the Fed raised rates in 2022 in this sort of surprise, super high hike, crushed the portfolios of every single um, entity that had trusted them and uh, and stuck the banks with this giant surprise of this massive devaluation of bonds. Uh, and you can see, and I found all these links where the, the bankers are basically panicking about this over 2022. And do you know what they come up with? They basically come up with an accounting trick, okay, called high, you know, hold to maturity. I call it high to maturity. Where just like Sam Bankman Fried, they book it as having not depreciated. Oh, it's still worth what we paid for it. Whew, we're good, right? And this time bomb just grew larger and larger and larger and larger across the entire industry with everybody obviously knowing about it. And again, whether they were lying to themselves or they're lying to others, what they didn't do is they didn't notify you, the depositor, that the money was gone for not just SVB, but for like millions of depositors across the country and every bank that has U.S. treasuries and long data government bonds. This is one of those things, you know, like saying like if you have a problem, uh, like if you owe the bank a billion dollars, uh, you know, uh, you have a problem. If you owe the bank a billion dollars, the bank has a problem, right? If you have one bank failure, that's a bank's problem. If you have hundreds of bank failures, that's a central bank's problem. Backing up for a second, what is the proposed action that people should take? Um, get your coins, get whatever uh, you can into crypto, okay? Uh, I mean, I, I recommend Bitcoin at this point. It is going to be the lifeboat for, you know, for a number of different reasons. Of course, if you have other cryptocurrency, whatever, you know, obviously you guys are Ethereum guys. I'm not, you know, uh, let's just say that all of the crypto tribalism is going <laughs> to rise to a, like a ideological level that we've never seen in a, in a year or two years or whatever this crisis is over. But in this crisis, there'll be three kinds of zones, fiat only zones, um, where like, you know, crypto is banned or seized and only the government can have it because um, it's used to back the currency. Bitcoin only zones, like maximalist zones, and then like, you know, crypto free zones where you can use whatever cryptocurrency you want. Okay. Um, and one of the reasons is a lot of fiat banks are about to die. They all trusted the Fed at the same time, the centralization at the Fed, buying the same asset at the same time, getting it devalued by the same vendor, namely the Fed, in the same way, then all going bust at once. Um, that's basically what's happening. So obviously on this show, so you're seeing every – so. It, just talking about this very stuff. So the question is, like, was it intentional? Is it because they want to roll out a Fed coin, central bank digital currency, which Peter Zion said was a conspiracy theory on Joe Rogan's podcast? But as we know, anything on this podcast, on this podcast, is that being in a conspiracy theorist just means being six to nine months ahead of the news cycle. No problem. Okay. So we understand that now. Basically, anything that is contrary to the narrative of the regime means you are a conspiracy theorist. It started with JFK, and now it's with every single thing. When the regime is in crisis, they call everybody a conspiracy theorist until there's nobody left, okay? And most people are realizing that now. It's taken a while, but most people are realizing that. And the last shoe to drop is the financial system, the financial system. So all the banks, allegedly, potentially, are insolvent. No big deal. 
massive deal. Okay. It's a massive deal. Okay. Big deal. All right. And we're going to be printing more money. And what's going to happen is in a likely scenario is that the purchasing power of your U.S. dollar is going to be diluted tremendously. It's going to purchase a lot less than it used to. Okay. So should you short, short, I mean, listen, I would have not financial advice, just what I do. I have it in Bitcoin, physical gold and silver and U.S. dollars, you know, to transact with while we have to. Okay. So you can't put it all in there. So have you been warned? Have there been events to show you that this is coming? The past five years or so has shown that the regime has become more tyrannical. I don't know another word to say. More controlling, more centralized, more clamping down. And this is what he talks about in the next segment, which I think is really important. So are there any warnings that this is happening? The answer is yes, there are warnings if you open your eyes. There are. And I think he explains it really well here. So this is an important segment. Unfortunately, by the way, this is from Moment of Zen podcast. That most average Americans will not get to the exit in time. Unfortunately, I agree. But I do think that on the spectrum, because they are like the um, Russians in the Soviet Union, because history is running in reverse, right? And the 20th century was a terrible century for Russians and for Chinese people and for Vietnamese people and much of the people in the East. It was a terrible century. They were under communism, they were under socialism. And when communism came, it came very fast. When it came very fast, stock markets were shut down, property was seized, landlords were killed, kulaks were hanged, people with glasses were shot, all kinds of very bad things happened very, 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 very quickly. But we think in the West that that just happens to other people, that happens on a television screen, that that could never happen here. But BLM, should show you that actually maybe that's not the case anymore. Maybe you do get crazy civil unrest and riots and things burning in flames and people being completely irrational. Um, with the flip-flops back and forth on masks and so on, with that kind of stuff is very Soviet, right? It's not like you don't have warning. You do have warning. Um, with the deplatforming, with the, you know, the unbanking, with just the years of just absolute lies from the press, Right on everything from the Covington kids to, you know, mostly peaceful protests. There is warning about what's happening. And even Anderson has said, you know, I think that the volcanism is going to become something even nastier than that, right? You have a thread with 5,000 likes on Twitter saying euthanize VCs, okay? And you have, a, you know, the thing about that, by the way, is, you know what that reminded me of? You know what that thread reminded me of? Here's what it reminded me of. What? It reminded me of... Um, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it rhymes. Okay, so um, this, uh, th what was interesting about it was um, it wasn't just euthanized VCs. It was also something where there was like a clever verbal dodge to pretend that that was not um, what, uh, here we go. He said it was a, a Keynes quote or something, Keynes? Yeah, exactly. Here we are. Yeah, so. Euthanizing them is imperative. So 2 million views, right? Okay. Euthanize, question mark. I see, you know, the advocate and the euthanasia, the wrencher, the functions of venture, right? So he does this so that this way he can deny that he's actually calling for, um, you know, something violent or crazy, right? Um, and so it's clever, okay? But, you know, it's clever. It's clever in a similar way to something that's, you know. So... 
I'm going to stop that there. But what he's saying is, is that history is rhyming and we've seen this type of tyranny before, but it, but what I'm going to add to that is just, it's just, it's just happening in a different way because we're in the digital age. We're in the information age. It's a different type of gulag. It's on, you know, debanking, deplatforming. That's silencing. That's censorship. Okay. That is, uh, if you can't connect to the banking system, what can you do? Okay. If you don't have a voice in the, the new, I mean, the town square now is Twitter. It's no longer the town square, like literally in the community town. It's all digital. So you take someone off and boom, they're a non-person. It's over. Okay, but what's really important to understand is that this type of thing has been happening in countries all across the world for many decades. Okay, just in the United States of America, this hasn't happened. Okay, the debasement of currency. Okay, this type of the the tyranny coming and changing the the the, the complete order of society has not happened in America. But it's happened elsewhere. People have lived under hyperinflation many times. It's like the norm in South America. And that's what this next clip is. It's to say that just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen everywhere. And then most importantly, that it can't happen to you because it can happen everywhere. Because all those other places, it happened for a first time. The first time, it has to have a first time. So take a listen. This is from the What Is Money show with Robert Breedlove. And Alex Gladstein was on this one too. So, right, exactly. This is a gigantic drug pull. But the thing to remember is sovereign defaults are not actually that uncommon, right? And uh, the U.S. banking system did rug pull American citizens during the mortgage crisis. And the same people who did BLM and said that there were mostly peaceful protests when there's fires burning in the background, those are ones who are predominant within the state right now. Okay, so it's not actually that implausible. Or if you think about trust in media, right? People used to think the media were like neutral referees, and now they know that they're just like playing for their own team. They're not actually aligned with you, and that's why you know trust in media has absolutely collapsed from you know thirty, forty-five percent, you know, twenty years ago to like ten, you know, fifteen percent. Now, eighty-five percent of people don't trust them, right? So, so the concept of such a rug pull and such scale. Yeah, you know, you would have thought, you wouldn't have thought your bank would kind of do that to you. It's true. The, the stealth, the scale, and the speed of this sort of digital Pearl Harbor on, on dollar holders is is bananas, right? But you can actually already see it coming if you just look at forget about what's on TikTok or you know TV, but just look for the term discount window and ask yourself why is so much money rushing to the banks because they expect all these bank runs. And then the question is, who can get their money out of the bank and into Bitcoin faster? Because uh, if you're just sending it, the, the false door is you're sending it to a big bank. You're sending it to a GCIB. You're locking up for that 5%. The right door is Bitcoin. But then what's the next step? Well, the next step is you probably want to be in a crypto-friendly jurisdiction. Did you see my tweet on uh, Texas, Robert? I don't think I did. You also were going to talk about the shelling point, just as a reminder. Oh, sure. Thank you. Yeah. So what's the shelling point? It's like, if you've got a bunch of people... A shelling point is how they coordinate without coordinating. Okay, it's like, uh, you know, you hit the fire alarm and where's everybody going? They're going to the front door and the, like the reassembly point. It's like the, you know, place across the street or something like that. Okay. Peter Thiel talked about the Bitcoin price, the BTC USD price is the only unfakeable signal in global markets. Everything else is fake. Because like, you know, obviously Chinese markets are totally fake and many of the US markets are actually very fake. Uh, but that signal was a signal of exit, and it was very hard to fake because, you know, it was a real signal. And if that moons, if that moons in time, it is a fire alarm 
that says that something is wrong and that the money is gone, right? That is the signal that basically says, you know, boom, like this, like, you know, actually they're hyperinflating the currency, they're printing so much, and I'm getting to a safe haven. And once people see that mooning, then that becomes something that other people around the world see and other dollar holders see, and they realize, okay, a new reserve currency is being born, okay? And this is actually probably how Bitcoin becomes what we've always thought it would be, which is the global reserve currency of the world. It's just something that's going to be much more messy, I think, than anybody expected. We thought it'd be much more gradual. We thought it happened, you know, over time and so on. And there's gradual aspects of it. Of course, you know, El Salvador has Bitcoin as reserve currency and, you know, um, CAR and Panama's flirting with it. And certainly Florida has uh, Bitcoin mayors. And actually, the thing I was just talking about, that point, so the first point is the shelling point. Bitcoin is the shelling point in the sense that if, as you've already seen, again, this is totally independent of me, right? Totally independent of me. As you've already seen, $150 billion, more than 2008 is moving to the discount uh, window now, right? Uh, number two is uh, there's already, okay, last year, one of the things I talked about last year, and again, I tweet about this stuff and people have put it in place, anti-seizure bills. Are you familiar with that, uh, Robert? Uh, I, I don't think so, actually. Yeah, so basically, the right to buy, sell, send, and receive Bitcoin shall not be infringed, okay? That's like the Zeroth Amendment, okay, that you can't take the money, okay? Um, and uh, the thing about this is, uh, let me see if I can find this. I'd like to inhibit an executive order 6102. So I'm going to stop that there. So what he's talking about is what we've talked about on this podcast before, which is from the sovereign individual, which is called the tyranny of place. And that he's saying that in this, you know, listen, this is an apolitical assessment. I just have to say the political parties, but he's saying that, uh, and this isn't even my opinion, but that the blue areas of the country are going to, are going to are going to seize the money are going to force you to have fiat to not privately own bitcoin and that the red states like texas and florida which ironically is also a fascist state some people say is going to allow the freedom of you holding your own keys and having your own money and using bitcoin and transacting in bitcoin freely individual rights so there's going to be this tyranny of place situation, which has lasted forever, which is whatever physical jurisdiction you live in, you have to follow the law and order of that area. Now we're creating networks on the internet, which you follow a different law and order on the network as opposed to the physical place. That's new. Okay. But he's saying it's going to be important to be in areas where it's Bitcoin friendly because obviously the regime is going to do everything it can to hold its power, which means seizing money. And he believes that's going to happen in blue areas first or only in blue areas, one or the other. So the last part I'm going to play here. Uh, and again, that's tyranny of place. Go read the sovereign individual. I can't recommend it enough. It's the number one book that you need to read. Uh, the last part is, is that another way they're hiding this. And this was also, uh, tweeted by Olaf Carlson. We, the, the founder of Polychain Capital, very, very good hedge fund. Um, which is how they are hiding this. They are masking these massive law. They are masking their insolvency with an accounting trick. Shout out accountants. Shout out CPAs. They're doing an accounting finagle. Let's call it so that you don't know what's going on. And here he talks about this little accounting tactic. And again, Olaf tweeted about it too, just so you know exactly how they're hiding it so you can be aware of it. Here we go. Again, this is from Moment of Zen podcast. Okay. They actually use these accounting tricks, okay, because they knew once the Fed fucked them, right, 
Once the Fed like had rates rise to the moon after selling them bonds at low rates, all of these, see, look, anxious bankers wondering what they should do in reaction to the large losses. Okay, this is, the, you know, this is actually April 2022, just a you know, month or so after. What should the banks do in reaction to large losses? Um, they're going to transfer securities to HTM, meaning uh, they do an accounting trick, hold to maturity, they call it hide to maturity, where they pretend that the losses weren't incurred. And even this accountant actually says um, the transfer to HCM does not eliminate the underlies loss. Okay. Are you seeing that this is Uncle Sam Bankman Freed, right? Where the guy bought an asset for X, it got reduced to Y and was pretending that X minus Y hadn't happened and he still had the money on hand. Okay. And this happened across the entire thing, the entire banking system. And here, for example, is how SVB dealt with it. You could probably go back and look. Evidence of deception by SVB management. Now, I shouldn't say I don't blame them, but they are basically set up as a fall guy because the Fed surprised the banks, so the banks decided to surprise the depositors. Evidence of deception, as we mentioned, they used to just give their high to you know hold to maturity securities over here. New destination reserved, right? Reserve, reserved. Oh, ta-da! Look at that. In a footnote, you find out the freaking bank is actually insolvent, eighty-one point six billion dollars up. So you have to find this footnote. This is basically, by the way, this is actually like San Francisco in a particular sense. You know why? San Francisco is a narco tyranny. You pay for all the police protection. Y'all get all, pay for all the police and you get none of the protection, right? You're a cab driver there. You're on the streets of San Francisco. You get a $500 parking ticket, right? But the crazy guy who smashes your window, nothing happens to them, right? It's a tyranny and it's the anarchy. And now we have an narco tyranny, but for banking. Okay, you have the tyranny of a million insane compliance regulations, but the anarchy of literally not notifying depositors, literally not notifying depositors when they know that the money is gone. Okay, it's a completely like the level of corruption made me almost want to throw up, right? That the US banking system, the Federal Reserve, made all the banks that trusted the Federal Reserve insolvent. The bank regulators and the banks hid this from depositors and allowed you to find out with a giant bank run that was then blamed on. So now that's how full circle to how we started this podcast. And if you've been with the Jonathan Kogan show for a while, this isn't a surprise to you. I mean, we have like 160 episodes on corruption. Corruption is the middle name of the regime. Okay. The powers that be the elite class. There's two parties, the elites and the peasants. Are you trying, are you beginning to see what's going on here? And then when the elites get caught, they blame it on the peasants. So not only is it always your fault, but you're the one that gets screwed in the end. You get both. You get a double whammy. You get the worst of both worlds. How amazing is that? You are special, but we're not going to take it. We are going to off ramp. We are going to raise the bit signal. And we're making everybody aware, okay? This podcast is getting a lot of traction. People all over the world are listening to it. What do we try and do on this podcast? We try to help the community. We try to help peasants of all color, creeds, whatever, 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 gender, sex, it doesn't matter. We are pro-peasant. There are very few, there's no news networks that are pro-peasant. It's literally run by the elite, so you obviously can't trust them. And then there's very, then there's other people that have agendas and that that have to have have just large donors that they have to listen to. This is a peasant podcast supported by the peasants of the peasants, the peasants, the peasants, the peasants. And so this is the bit signal. 
via the Jonathan Cogan show. And I hope a lot of this was informative. I hope this helps, especially when you're in the United States of America and you're unfamiliar with hyperinflation. You need to learn about it. Learn about it. You need to know what's going on. Okay. And while you still have money, if you want to donate to the Jonathan Cogan show, patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. Just saying, if you want to help it, it, for a thank you for the bit signal, holla at your boy. Um, no, seriously. Oh, also subscribe to the podcast, wherever your podcast subscribe this one won't be on YouTube, but subscribe to the rumble YouTube channels. Give it a five-star rating. If you enjoy the pod. And again, this is very, very important. So anybody who you want to help out and just inform them of potential financial consequences of insolvent banks in the United States, really in the West, really anyone who holds dollars, send them this pod. It's very, very informative. It's very unbiased. And obviously, as always, and forever, a political period, full stop. So yes, this is all the chaos is a massive cover up for a financial collapse. This is the changing of the guard. This is we're in the digital age, the old power structure is trying to hold on. Information's traveling faster than ever. Things are about to get real wonky, wonky, whatever that means. It's going to get real wild, okay? Again, this is 90 days, 90 days. It's March 21st, 2023 today. 90 days. You got time. Become educated. Own the keys. Put some money on Bitcoin. Put it in cold storage. Not financial advice. Obviously, can't do that. Can't say that. But just telling you what Balaji says. Very smart man. Look up who he is. Follow him on Twitter. Also, if you want to watch this stuff on Twitter in the future, follow at KOGZ. Kogs. That's where I put every video. Listen, I appreciate you being part of the community, all the new people out there who are part of the community. It's awesome to have you. I see South Africa on the top list now. Awesome to have you South Africans here. We love South Africa. We love every country. Okay. The friction isn't with the peasants of the countries. It's between the elites of all the countries. Okay. We love peasants from any country, Russia, Ukraine, South Africa, United States, Canada, doesn't matter. Guess what? We're all on the same team and we will stick together and we will build parallel economies and we will make it through this friction, this chaos. And we will come out the other end with a more beautiful world that is in the peasants ownership and no longer under the tyrannical rule of the elites. It's over. We're breaking off. We're fighting for freedom. We will win. Spread the information far and wide. Share the Jonathan Cogan show. Thank you so much for being with me today. Honestly, it's an honor to have you. And I just want to let you know, if no one told you today, you're awesome. You are. You At least if you're not awesome, you have the ability to be awesome if you want to be. And absolutely, 100% certain, I love you. I genuinely care about you. I care about your well-being. And I want you to do fantastic in this new world, okay? I want you to get off on the right foot, okay? Even if you're a lefty, right foot, like as in the right foot, the correct foot, not the right, okay? We don't discriminate, okay? We love all people. And um, that's all I got for you today. Bit signal. All right. Five-star rating. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. That's the only thing I'll ever ask of you. Patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. If you want to, you know, donate money, I'd really appreciate it. It keeps the pod going. But you don't have to. But I really appreciate it. It'd be awesome to see one, especially from someone from South Africa. That'd be wild. Patreon.com forward slash ownership economy. Thanks for being with the John of the Cogan Show. I love you. Have an amazing day, an amazing evening, amazing afternoon. Goodbye.